Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Welcome to United Hour, your official Red Cafe podcast for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Colin. And I'm Jimmy. Yeah, we're literally like 30 minutes after the full-time whistle, after a day that's gone much better than most expected at the Manchester derby. Uh, I think a lot of people were not giving us any chance in this game. And yeah, obviously we're going to run down what happened in this match, kind of talk about what it means for the title doesn't mean anything and then yeah we will look ahead now to yeah AC Milan that we got on Thursday night um, and then yeah just need to have a chat about what it means uh, for everything and you know how, how come we can beat Manchester City and get nothing from the likes of Crystal Palace and West Brom but yeah that's what we're going to go deep into but yeah look pre-match there was not a lot of confidence here. Obviously, City on going for like a record. What was it? 21st win in a row or something. We're then coming off the back of... Yeah, I think that... Would that, would that have been their 21st? Or no, they or 22nd. I think it would have been the 22nd. They'd already done 21. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we obviously had three nil-nil draws in a row, uh, which if already we were talking about, we weren't really in the title race, definitely cemented that fact. Um, but yeah, this obviously brings us back close to the city but yeah there is still a big gap um but look let's talk about the match first i mean i actually saw i wasn't that confident um and even when i saw the lineup i was possibly less confident because i really have not been expecting much from martial i knew cavani was out obviously we knew pogba and the likes were injured and i thought oh they might go with something different i would have preferred mason um, so yeah, it didn't fill me with confidence, but at the same time, I saw the odds and I saw 13 to two on us winning. And I said, look, that is too much for a Manchester Derby. Even when we've been even way, way worse than we are right
right now. And even when City was stronger, uh, you know, form goes out the window in these kind of games. So yeah, shoved a few quid on us on that there. But yeah, didn't expect the start we had. Uh, I mean, I think it was Imran in our chat said, oh, I've missed the start of this. What's happened with the penalty? But yeah, Colm, were you in your seat yet uh, when everything kicked off there? Yeah, I was pretty ready, but I wasn't even like paying full attention. And then when the whistle went, and uh, like Marshall had fallen over, and I was like, "Oh, we got a penalty here. That's good." But um, yeah, it was it was a, a frantic start. Um, I think the most impressive thing about that is when when that throw in happens, you know, the press we put on them, and especially in the sort of first ten to fifteen minutes, kind of dulled after that, where City got a, got a foothold in the game again. But the, the the height of the press is what was really so good about it. It was. Shaw was stepping out to press. Maguire was stepping out to press. Fred McTominay obviously did a, a fantastic job. The strikers were actually all engaged with the press, and it was just a much more, you know, we've kind of seen this with Ole, certainly in a lot of big games, where when we want to, we can really look like a very, very, very good pressing team. We just don't, we either choose not to or can't maintain it across all games or can't employ it when we are kind of uh, the more the favoured team or the better team, you know, so it is odd. But in this game, I mean, the press in the first 10, 15 minutes, I thought was um, fantastic and a big reason why, we really unsettled City as well as them starting slowly. And obviously the goal um, was, was the perfect way to start that in the first minute. Yeah, it really couldn't have gone much better for us. Uh, the start of this. Like I said, I was not that happy actually to see Martial in the starting lineup, but straight away is knocked out and there's no doubt about it being a penalty. Um, and yeah, just, you know, it's the exact start we wanted. That's been our problem time and time again in matches that we don't get that first goal. Uh, you know, like I said, recently has been against teams who where we're getting all the domination and the possession, whereas today is a totally different kind of game. Um, but yeah, Jamie, did you, did what, I think you'd put some money on it as well, hadn't you? But you'd gone for two point, over 2.5 goals or something? Yeah, I, I was the same as you. So what, were you, were you hoping, were you hoping City scored at the end then? I was kind of hoping for another goal, yeah. I was like, oh, f- go on, just stick one of these in. Uh, I couldn't believe there wasn't more goals, but uh, I suppose we'll come to that. But um, yeah, I put, I was much the same. I saw that the odds in us on uh, on the betting platform I used, it was six to one. So I coupled it with uh, Bruno to score, which was magic after 60 seconds. <laughs> but unfortunately, I just needed another goal there at the end. But I couldn't believe the odds on us going into the game. I thought that, that, I know, I know they are, they've won so many games in a row and what have you. Just they still seem really long odds um, going into the derby. But I, I was really surprised by it as well because we even mentioned at the end of the last podcast in that it just seemed like one of those times when one team's doing so well, the other team is struggling. They have injuries, which means we were definitely going to play a certain kind of way. I mean that. The way we played, I don't think is a surprise to anyone. The only real surprise is how well Marshall played. I think everyone else, you know. Yeah. Like that's a Wambasaka performance against um Sterling and City. Shaw was magnificent as he has been. Rashford looked dangerous on the breakaway, but gave it away quite a lot. Fred and uh, McTominay worked hard. You know, there's there's not there's no big surprise in that. And obviously setting up with Dan James to work really hard, given our injuries, the fact that Pogba isn't there, other players aren't available, that's the only way we we're gonna play. And I just felt that that was likely gonna do pretty well against City, as it has done. I mean, Ole's record over Guardiola is the best of anyone in world football, really, that's that's played him enough. Um, yeah, basically. So I was really ever. surprised by the results because that just really seemed to me a very possible way. You know, the other option is that City just dominate us. And you don't get the break. You don't get the early goal. You don't convert the chances on the breaks. And, you know, City maybe look a bit sharper in front of goal and the game can go differently as we've seen against City. But there's always the chance that that particular blueprint, like that's locked in against City. You know, that is, that is the way we're going to play a City pretty much forever, I would imagine, or at least, you know, the way the teams are at the moment. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's actually the fourth time Ole beats Pep. And like you say, there literally isn't anyone who's got as good a record uh, against Guardiola. And it's the third time in a row we win at the Etihad. Um, And I think it's something like only once in the last six matches we've had at the Etihad, we've actually lost to them. And it goes all the way back to 2016. Uh, So, yeah, we actually have a really good record in this game. Um, So, yeah, like you said, those bookies odds, to me, seemed like a bit weird as well, which is why I did throw a bit of money on it. I will be totally honest and say I cashed out my bet after about half an hour because if it's not <laughs> half an hour stressed, oh yeah, oh, no, it seems man. a bit seems a bit weak I'm afraid yeah, yeah. but to be honest it's as if it's not stressful enough watching the Manchester derby with like money on the line as well I just said listen I'm going to take this cash enjoy oh, yeah, the guys. rest of the game just, just, and, like, just you know, so everyone can know where Nick's mind really is he had a tenner on <laughs> so it wasn't exactly high stakes we're talking about here yeah. that he had to cash out after half an hour <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not betting the mortgage here or anything. But yeah, <laughs> look, I'll take, take that money off and enjoy the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, look, as you say, Com, it does seem weird with those odds because we have got a good record in this game. We know as well that Ole did have a great big game record. Although, of course, this season we've talked plenty about how that's gone out the window. I mean, the one interesting thing that I, you know, wanted to see pre-match, and maybe we don't really ever know what will happen, is how Guardiola was going to set up for it. Because when we had this game at Old Trafford, he came very defensively. City did not play their normal game. They were a lot more cautious. And yeah, we played out, you know, a relatively boring nil-nil. And, you know, we said at the time that, yeah, they're giving us a lot of credit, a lot more respect. He's scared of our counter. City were not on that good form at the time and they just kind of sat in and you know it was kind of a stalemate draw um i don't you know because we scored immediately maybe what their game plan had planned went out the window anyways we don't really know it's difficult to say whether they'd come and whether they were gonna uh fight a lot more than that game who knows because you know that obviously forced them to start coming at us but which again played into our hands i mean we could have been two nil up pretty early Shaw had a pretty good chance as well rashford Shaw's up there. Manchester City can't play their way out of trouble. Luke Shaw! Almost wriggled away from Edison, who's a besieged goalkeeper. Not been used to this. I think that was maybe one of those that just came a bit fast and he just swung a leg at it. But the the start was fantastic. Like um, like Holmes already said, even winning the penalty when City take the throw in, the minute the ball comes back into play, you've got four or five red shots really converging quickly on the ball, trying to win it. And it, and it just it totally unsettled City for that first 15-20 minutes. They just couldn't get to grips with it at all. We were snapping into the tackles. We were being really aggressive, pressing really high. The centre-halves were actually stepping out with the ball, which was stretching the City front line a little bit and was actually allowing us to bypass their first line. Um, it, it was just it was very, very good. And... The short chance, uh, I, I couldn't believe he didn't score really, but on on reflection, when looking back at the replay, I did think it was maybe just one of those chances that came back at him and all he can really do is just swing a leg at it and just try and maybe get the wee deflection to take it into one of the corners and it it didn't quite happen. It ended up straight at the keeper. On his right, I think, as well. Yeah, it? it was on his right foot as well. So it, it was maybe just one of those that was just, just swing a leg, see what happens, but... It was it was just a cracking start. You couldn't believe what you were watching, really, for the first 15, 20 minutes. So it was really, really good. Very good. Yeah, and as I say, maybe you can believe it. The only reason we can't believe it is because we've been so kind of average. So pedestrian at the start of a lot of games. That's the problem. Like We're so pedestrian 
at the start of games so many times. And okay, yeah, the, the, the early penalty probably helps and then dictates what happens for the next 15, 20 minutes. But even then, it was it was it was just so energetic. It was it was so energetic and so good. Where's that energy when we're playing Everton or Southampton That's exactly or West Ham? You know, mean, yeah. no, to be fair, we played pretty well against Everton, but no, I mean, yeah, okay. yeah Palace, until the last West until the last Brom. twenty minutes. But yeah, Palace, West Brom, Sheffield United. Even, just just more generally, you know, in a certain sense, when you're picking a certain kind of team and going out with a certain kind of blueprint against City, it's it's just an easy thing to do in many ways because. The responsibility will never really be on us. We just have to go and work hard and hope that kind of the chances fall for us and we can unsettle them and then defend really well. And that's a very, like, it's, it's, it's an easier underdog tactic, I feel, you know, in the same way that a lot of teams would come to United and just sit in and just think if we can do this for 90 minutes, we're going to get one or two chances or whatever. And we did actually play a lot better today, I think, particularly after the second goal where I think City's heads pretty much went down until the last sort of 10 minutes and where they rallied a little bit. But, I just feel like you should be able to put some of that off the ball energy and off the ball shape and press into all of your games when you don't have the ball, not just the games against City when you have this very specific mission ahead of you of saying, right, look, obviously they're class on the ball. We expect them to have 67% possession, but we're going to hurt them and we're going to make them work for that possession. And we just don't do that in, in the rest of the game. So it, it is really strange. Um, and obviously it's a different thing playing Newcastle or Sheffield United or whoever else we have, you know, so much of the ball and are playing against the packed in defence versus the space that our team gets against City. We obviously know how good we can be with space and on the counter-attack, but I think you have to maybe be a bit, you know, more able to engineer those situations in those other games because that's what I've seen that Liverpool do, side do so well, I think, for the last couple of years is engineer those big open spaces even when teams are sitting in and that's what's completely abandoned them this year, you know, and I think that's sometimes where we struggle too with these packed in defences, but it was great to see it today. You just don't want to only see it today, you know? We do, but earlier in the season, we were winning those games, even against the teams who were sitting in. Uh, you know, we, maybe we weren't winning them convincingly every time we were going to goal down and then coming back. But we were winning those games. It's only been then in the last month, two months, where that's all dropped off. And especially in this run where, you know, we have, it's always going to haunt us for the rest of the season. Sheffield United, West Brom, Crystal Palace, uh, to come out of those three matches with only two points. And then, of course, there was that throwaway against Everton as well but although that day we actually played pretty well Um, but yeah if we compare against Palace the thing that that day just wasn't happening was our passing was just awful like Mm. even simple passes weren't coming like they weren't going and then when they were going for like you know often Bruno Rashford they go for these kind of one touch plays which are often heels flicks things like that and today some of those things were coming off Palace none of that came off but even even worse than that was just simple like layoffs simple passes were just going astray so I think that's absolutely true because again today like the confidence even around the way we're playing around the back like Lindelof distribution Maguire is mostly very good just everyone seemed to have that little bit of confidence and that knowledge that when you're playing City you really have to play it sharply you know you can't just get away whereas I think sometimes it's like a we lull ourselves into a false sense of security against the teams where we do dominate the ball and think you know we have all the time in the world and that you can just kind of amble around and there isn't that same intensity that you have when you're playing in a big game because you know you know, you have to make that possession count and that also the other team might be pressing you frantically and you really have to, you know, if you aren't super sharp on your um, on your basic passes and, and looking to progress the ball, then you'll go nowhere. So again, it's just about marrying those kind of two things up. But again, it's just one of those things that they're two completely different games of football. But you're absolutely right today. Like the passing was just so crisp and so sharp, even when we, even there was a few times we couldn't get out, which is fair enough, that's just going to happen. But generally speaking, it was much more on point than, than lately. Yeah, I mean, the only bit of the game where I said City did come in a lot more and 
In fact, that's when I cashed out my bet. It was around from about the 25-minute mark where they started coming into it. We started the game brilliantly. First 20, 25 minutes, we were very good. Then from about 25 minutes to half time, City did have quite a dominating kind of area of possession. They didn't create a huge amount. There was one kind of save, I remember, Henderson from, I think, Zinchenko. Um, but yeah, they were kind of playing a lot better for that section. And But like I say, they didn't create that much, uh, really. I mean, Jamie, were you worried there or did you still feel pretty confident? I wasn't worried. I was more frustrated um, because City did start coming into it. They started just passing the ball about the way they do where they try it down one flank, doesn't quite work, move it through the midfield to the other side quickly and try and make some openings. There wasn't really much of that. The thing that frustrated me, and I take Colm's point saying that it was much better today and it was, but just for, just for 15, 20 minutes before half-time, the amount of times we gave the ball away was really frustrating, where we would win the ball either in a tackle or from a set piece or a goal kick, whatever it would be, and we would barely have the ball for more than three touches, four touches, and immediately the ball was going straight to Man City. It wasn't so much because I felt one of these was definitely going to go in. It was just more frustrating that we just had to hold on to the ball better instead of just yeah. losing it in contact, losing it by just poor passing, trying to try. There was one in particular that was McTominay and he tried to play some side-footed pass way out wide towards Rashford. There was about three City players in front of him. There was no way the ball was yeah. on and he still tries it. And that, he wasn't the only one because Fred quite a few times gave the ball away and was trying to be a bit too fancy in possession. It was just frustrating because you were like, we can easily get in it here. We can easily get in at them here. If, the, if we just hold on to the ball and just be a wee bit smarter, there were so many opportunities. I think that's in a big way down to maturity, which is something I do think this team still lacks, uh, in that when you start at like breakneck speed and the whole plan is to go out and press, 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 and hit them on the counter, hit them on the counter, hit them on the counter, you could just see McTominay in his head thinking every time he got the ball, it was like a hot potato. You had to force it forward. And there's like, there is worth in that sometimes because it might work occasionally. You know, you might find the right ball and set off a good counterattack. You can't just keep doing it 10, 20 times when you're just giving them the ball back in very dangerous positions ultimately. And, you know, I think even though I just said everyone was playing it about quite nicely, probably the, the kind of exceptions, particularly in the first half, were Fred McTominay. And I have a bit of sympathy for them because they both did such a great job off the ball and in terms of the shape and the energy and the press and the combativeness and the amount of interceptions and battling that both um, McTominay and Fred did. McTominay, I still think, is a brilliant presence, um, works immensely hard and carries the ball extremely well. But on the ball passing, they were both pretty ropey at times. Um, certainly, you know, Nick, I don't know if you've had a look at the past stat percentages, but I think Fred's was like 63% or something in, in the end of the first half, which for a midfielder, like, sure. you know, it doesn't paint a good picture, you know. so Yeah, they did come kind of back in bit better in the second half. Fred's at yeah, well, as, as I say, I think McTominay at 80%. I think after the second goal, City's head dipped, and then we were playing with so much confidence that I think it was able to kind of patch over a lot of a lot of those things. Um, but I also have a bit of sympathy because I do think when you go out with this particular tactic and that's kind of your bread and butter and you're just going to say, we're just going to break on them, break on them, break on them, you can begin to force it a bit too much. Yeah. And I think just a wee bit of maturity to realise, right, well, look, we're one up. We've, we've done the thing we want to do. You know, we can be a bit more selective now and maybe it is a bit more important just to keep the ball for three or four minutes rather than try and score eight goals when, you know, there really aren't the chances there. And I think you're right, Jamie, if, if you if you kind of just slow it down a wee bit at the start, you might find that the openings are actually easier found, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you, as you say, those passing stats, yeah, they were, they were giving it away. I mean, McTominay 
was very deep, deeper than usual. And, uh, you know, if you look at our average position chart, McTominay and Wan-Bissaka on that right side are both very, very deep, you know, much deeper than you normally, close to like Victor Lindelof, basically, uh, you know, all bunched up there. But that's why, you know, we saw very little from Raheem Sterling today. Uh, on the left side, we were a bit open because obviously Luke Shaw was getting forward, whereas Wan-Bissaka was just purely playing defence today. He barely even got out of the half. Um, but, you know, that worked out for us, whereas, you know, on the left side is where we did have some chances. And yeah, as we already mentioned, Luke Shaw had one shot there was a couple of other great runs he had and of course second half stars brilliantly for us and uh we're two nil up you know and city probably have had that half-time talk from guardiola saying look we're gonna come back we've been playing well and that's the actual killer time killer goal for us to kill that game straight off basically become a father in the last couple of days in spain here go his teammates he's left behind for the derby and Shaw scores! Goodness me, it's Luke Shaw for Manchester United. What a moment for Luke Shaw. He's been Manchester United's best player by a mile this last month, I thought, on Wednesday night at Sellers Park. He was the only one who showed up and today, a big moment for him. Shaw's had this outstanding season. Um, I'd been having a bit of a debate in another group where, you know, they throw out these things, put out your combined Man United, Man City team. And I was getting a lot of like pelter saying, oh, red tinted glasses, because I'd put out a team that had five Manchester United players in it. And of course, City are playing way better than us. But I, as far as I'm concerned, we've still got a lot of very good players. And I had Harry Maguire, uh, Luke Shaw in my team. For me, Shaw is like non-negotiable. He's had such a good season. And uh, I was surprised that people were like shocked I'd put Harry Maguire in the team, seeing as, you know, he's picked regularly for England over John Stones, even though he's having a decent season. Then mm. for me, after that, Rashford and Bruno are shoe-ins. And then, ah, all right, I did actually put Paul Pogger in my team, which maybe is debatable. Uh, you know, City do have like an embarrassment of riches in midfield, um, especially, yeah. But yeah, I, I did have five United players in there. No room for uh, Dean Henderson, though. <laughs> uh, no, actually, yeah, I started off with Edison. But yeah, look, we do need to talk about Henderson because he's now definitely going to be getting a run in the team. Um, he, he's, he's, you know, he's been playing like one game a week recently because we've had a lot of cup matches. But in most of those matches, he's had very little to do. Um, so hasn't really had that much chance to show. But he did, of course, make that one really good late save the other day that could have saved us at least a point against Palace. But now, yeah, David Ayer is off back in Spain on his paternity leave. And because of coronavirus laws and quarantine and all that, he's not going to be available for at least a couple of weeks. They're talking about potentially like another four matches or something like that, uh, which is pretty crazy. I know, Colm, you've been waiting for this all season, right, for Henderson <laughs> to get his chance. Yeah, I've been, I've been tracking that pregnancy pretty closely, um, hoping that we'd get at it. It was actually a bit of a surprise to me, and I do think it's a good decision. It, obviously, the coronavirus thing, you know, if, if it weren't for that, you'd probably have him back for the, you know, maybe miss one more game and then be back after that. Um, but I am thankful because, you know, he kind of left a bit abruptly and they were a bit quiet about it, and I had sort of seen that she was about to drop and was just hoping that nothing was wrong but there is a healthy mm. child there so it's it's all good news and that's fantastic you know so hopefully um you know hopefully he loves fatherhood and takes all the time he needs in spain um <laughs> but no henderson just deserves a run you know it's it's just a tricky situation obviously you know my thoughts on the hair are well established at this point i don't think any of our listeners need to hear me go on about it anymore particularly when he's not even in the country but um you'll never know with henderson until you play him and it's tricky to manage two very 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 good goalkeepers 
in one club. You know, that's not an ideal situation, really, as much as it seems like something you would want in every other position. Oddly enough, in the goalkeeper position, it, it doesn't actually really serve anyone because Henderson starts to speak about moving on if he doesn't, you know, get commitments around his future and desperately wants to play now. And you can see that confidence from him when he plays. You know, you can see that he desperately wants to imprint himself on the team. Uh, he wants to make his presence felt, you know, from a, a vocal standpoint, from corners, from throw-ins. You know, he just wants to be involved from coming off his line. Uh, and I think he's been very good, as you said, late save um, against Crystal Palace. I think in the cup games, he has had very little to do, but that's encouraging because when he has been called in upon to make saves, he's, he's looked sharp and done that. Whereas, you know, the plague of... Mm previous um united keepers that didn't quite make the grade was always that you know it's different take thomas kujak or ben foster who look brilliant at, at smaller clubs when they're being peppered with with um shots it's different when you don't have anything to do for 40 50 60 minutes and then you have to kind of replicate that same save so it's good to see that he maybe has that in the locker but i thought um against palace and today he was excellent i really really couldn't ask for anything more it's so nice to see the confidence he has taken the ball in the air and I don't even think he's had any really difficult ones you know City aren't going to pressure you in the same way that Burnley might or someone else you know um, and yet it's still maybe something that you wouldn't have seen with De Gea so that's awesome to see um, you can definitely hear him and I think his distribution is good although he does tend to just hoof it a wee bit as well sometimes which I actually don't mind because I think he can overcomplicate things. It's actually one thing that, you know, I always check those passing accuracies. And he's actually down at 45% today. And you never see any of our players. But it's partly because they'd obviously had the instruction that they weren't doing that play out from the back. Uh, you know, it's a thing that I always get really, like, concerned about anyway. I still thought today we did it a bit six-yard passes, you yeah. know, from De Gea to Maguire. I never yeah. like it. I always feel uncomfortable. I mean, generally, it's not caused a problem for us. It's not really been a big issue. But I always feel uncomfortable just because I'm like, you know, an old school centre back myself. Yeah. I was like, never would have imagined playing in that way. Equally, I think with that, sometimes it's not even around the De Gea, Lindelof, uh, Maguire part that I feel uneasy. It's when it goes into McTominay and Fred on the turn and suddenly they're getting pressed that I think sometimes as well it doesn't necessarily suit us as much as we think it does. Um, but he does seem a wee bit, his feet seem good, but he does seem a wee bit more reserved. But he seems to make up his mind quickly. Like if he's going to hoof it, he just hoofs it. You know, I think the worst thing for a keeper in that situation is indecision and thinking, oh, should I or shouldn't I? Whereas at least if you're going to hoof it, just do it. You know, don't don't think about it. Don't try and beat a man. Don't make your mind up in the last minute. You know, like pick your thing and do it. But And the distribution for the shot goal, I mean, that's fantastic. That is genuinely fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's I love gone. that goal. I love that goal so much. It reminded me of Peter Schmeichel that, you know, yeah, that's the kind absolutely. of thing he used to do. Uh, you know, big long throws into the other half, getting attacks going. He ran through the options as well because he actually waited a wee while. It wasn't like a, a breakaway counter after their free kick. First of all, he claimed the free kick in swinger for, uh, out swinger from uh, Zinchenko, took it really well. And then he waits and kind of looks around. He kind of fakes like he's going to roll it out to Lindelof, but City are kind of t- still too stepped up. And then he sort of sees Mares, I think, is like drifted in a wee bit and he just he just has it over him. But again, right in front of Shaw to run onto. And that makes the whole like Shaw's touch is fantastic to take that on the chest and go past Cancelo, who Lord knows what Cancelo is doing there. It's a horrendous piece of defending. But Shaw's touch and the fact that the ball from Henderson enables him to take that touch and then suddenly be in so much space. It's just such a good goal. No, yeah, brilliant. And like I said, the return from Shaw this season after offering very little for years has been great. Uh, but just to go back quickly to Henderson De Gea, I mean, I do wonder, and, uh, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people have been saying is maybe there's been question marks over Ole on things like tactics and whatever, but yeah, I think unfairly so. But on the man management side, 
he's done so well on so many occasions. Uh, you know, players like Pogba or whatever, it was like coming in and out. Um, but yeah, on this Henderson one, I wonder if he has kind of almost encouraged De Gea that say, listen, you take all the time you want yeah. because it gives him an easy way to bring yeah, Henderson in. Possibly. Uh, you know, although I do also think there's been a couple of times in the season where De Gea has messed up that he could have given Henderson easily a chance and he hasn't. I see Ole has having tremendous amounts of loyalty to his players and I think that's a good thing I think it, I think it's I think 99% of the time it's a good thing don't get me wrong I, there are occasions and this is probably the fickle football fan I mean where I think it's too much I felt that way with Martial I kind of felt that way at the start of the team sheet and um, today even with Martial I've certainly felt that way with De Gea and um, because like I'm a big believer in meritocracy I think if you're if you're not earning it it doesn't matter how much you should be paid you're getting paid or what you've done in the last year or two you know, and I appreciate experience matters, but I think when someone's kind of displaying that they're not actually at the required level, you know, and there's people behind them who could be, I have a big, big issue with that. But, you know, even that same loyalty today to Marshall has paid off in dividends. And I think that's a performance that Marshall will hopefully take huge confidence from. And my God, do we need him to do that right now? Because Cavani's injured again. Rashford's going to go for surgery. You know, it, it, we're thin on the ground again. And if, if, if Marshall today was excellent and if he takes that kind of confidence and form into the next few games that's that's huge for us so again you'd have to give credit to Ole there because there'd be a lot of people today I think who would be groaning at seeing Martial start that game even though I think it was the correct decision you know even if he's out of form I think it's a bit of a big ask for Greenwood you know no, yeah, I do understand that I mean I don't know why maybe you go to this too much but I actually find it a little bit weird that De Gea goes back to Spain to have his baby and things like that. Maybe again, it's like old school, but uh, for him to go on missing over there, I mean, there's there's perfectly good hospitals in Manchester, and I also, you know, his girlfriend, as I understand, has actually been living in Manchester and has then decided to make this decision to go out there. I mean, I'm pretty sure the likes of Fergie and all that would not have been happy. I mean, just imagine if Roy Keane, if like somebody came to and said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be missing for the next month because I'm going back to Spain," and he was just like, "Look," I was like, "What on earth?" I mean. Especially like, uh, you know, my daughter's born in within the hospital in Manchester in the maternity suite inaugurated and used by Nemanja Vidic. Downstairs is actually the Rio Ferdinand sponsored ICU unit. So where better to have your child than in the Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand uh, suites? That, anyway, like I say, side note, bit of a tangent. But yeah, for me, slightly weird, especially in the middle of like COVID times to say, yeah, I'm flying off and I'm going to be missing for a while. But yeah, it's his loss and it's Henderson's chance. So let's see him take his chance he's going to get a few games coming up now um yeah but you know at 2-0 we were we were we were comfortable after that weren't we Jamie I mean City made a couple of changes to try and change Foden came in I was actually really happy that Foden didn't start this game uh you know I think he's a player that's really quite exciting and I was quite happy to see him not there but they always have so many options where De Bruyne is back in there whether it's Mares, Sterling whatever but yeah Walker Foden come back in you know, they started playing a little bit better, but still, we seemed pretty comfortable, I thought. Yeah, I thought we were comfortable as well. Um, and I agree about Foden. Um, I did expect him to start just because I think he's such a good player. And over the last six weeks or so, he's proved how good he is as a player. So I was I was kind of surprised not to see him. I was quite happy not to see him as well from the start of the game. But we just, unlike in the first half where we kind of, we, we pressed well and played well for 20 minutes and then retreated a wee bit, went into the shell and City started growing into the game. This half, the minute we got the second goal, we, we just seemed to have chance after chance after chance for about 15 minutes. And 
okay, some of them were half chances. Like there was the one where the cross comes in, it takes the deflection off Diaz, I think, goes straight up in the air. It comes down and Martial doesn't quite get the header right. That was one chance. Not long after that, he's then got a massive chance where McTominay's fouled on the edge of the box, but the ball goes through to Martial. So they play on. It's a huge chance one-on-one with the goalie. And it's a good save with the goalie, but Martial should bury it, really. Um, so he's a two big chances. He did play excellent. He was fantastic. I agreed with him being man of the match. Um, but he could have had one of those chances for sure. I just thought for most of the second half, maybe until the last 10 minutes, we were in control. The players were confident. We were passing it well. We didn't look rushed or unsure of ourselves at all. Even with the changes, there was only maybe one or two really good crosses from Walker that maybe kind of you're thinking, oh, if Aguero's maybe playing or if Jesus is getting into those positions instead of Sterling, they maybe get a goal. But even then, I was still confident enough that if needed, we were going to just put something together, get back up front and make another chance because I've only named three chances there, but there, there were so many in the second half. We either we engineered a chance on goal or it was a breakaway and it was the final ball that let us down or the final decision that let us down. Um, I thought Rashford must have been a bit more hurt um, through the second half because there was a chance where the ball landed to him and he's maybe 15 yards out to the left-hand side of the box and it's just tailor-made for him to just come onto the ball with his right foot and just hit it at the goal and he just passes it inside the box to just nobody in particular. And I think even like on commentary, Martin Tyler and Gary Neville couldn't believe it because it was just set up just to hit at the goal and he, and he didn't. Um, and then he runs back and when he puts the tackle in on Mares when he's trying to break away, that's where he gets injured. So I was maybe just thinking it might not have just been that particular incident because it was a bit interesting just seeing him just not go for that shot when we know fine well. He's got no qualms at all with having a shot on target when it presents itself. So comfortable until the last 10, but even during the last 10, while they started putting crosses into the box, putting a few more chances together, I never really felt like we were under siege, if we were really threatened. I thought the players, as I said, were confident. And I thought the, the more than anything, the rest of the second half was a thoroughly professional performance. Yeah, that was the only negative point in the second half was Marcus Rashford going out injured. Uh, as you said, it was like that breakaway where actually City were in a dangerous position. We were slow to come back and Rashford comes back with a really safe... There were four on three on his unlock that counter and Rashford makes actually a really good interception, but yeah, ends up limping out. And there has, of course, been this news that he's going to need sh- shoulder surgery at some point, um, maybe after the Euros. And yeah, yeah that's... For both Lindelof and Rashford have been playing with these kind of niggly injuries for months and months now Um, and that is I still find it you know I've been going on a lot about how I think Ole the only place where he has failed recently has been managing the squad managing players minutes there's certain minute players who've definitely played far too much and for me that is one of the major major reasons why we have ended up dropping points in this kind of period where we've been playing you know twice a week Europa League FA Cup and it's always been often been after kind of you know hard midweek games where we've ended up throwing away points in the league on the weekend um so yeah let's see now hopefully marcus's injury is not that bad but we'll find out that in the coming days but yeah let's talk about anthony martial because he's i was 
not that happy to see him in the starting lineup. Um, I was actually still quite surprised that a lot this week I've had a couple of like debates with people on Twitter who are still constantly like big fans of Martial. Whereas for me, he's been absolutely awful like nearly all year. Does not deserve to be starting, and I think he's lucky just because Cavani's been out and there's been a couple of other injuries. Even you know Pogba even sometimes can come into an attacking position, and he's been given chance after chance, and I think not delivered for weeks and weeks and weeks. But today, yeah, he did play well. Uh, I did not think that he deserved to be man of the match. I would have given it to Luke Shaw, but uh, you know Martial's hold-up play today was brilliant, and in fact, he's got 95% uh, possession accuracy, which for like somebody playing in an attacking area is brilliant, and even had you know quite a lot of uh, touches on the ball uh, you know as many as Marcus more than Daniel James and hardly gave the ball away all match so in that kind of back to goal way um, he was always playing like he wasn't playing that f- forward forward striker uh, again if you look at the average position charts both James and Rashford are playing further forward than Martial so he's almost playing a kind of false nine position and but yeah did it really well holding the ball bringing in play and if you know, if he can do that at least, I don't mind it. But I haven't seen him doing even that. Uh, you know, for sure he's not been providing the goals and assists. But recently, I don't know what you think, Con. But I, you know, I'm surprised that there were still a lot of people, like I said, who've been saying that Martial has to play. He's still our best forward. He brings yeah. in so much play. But yeah, I agree with you. That's that's not those people aren't uh, haven't been in living in reality. I think in certainly this season, um, you can point back to how he played last season and say, you know, I I think there's still that player in there. Then I can accept that. But at a certain point, when you've seen, you know. 28 weeks of not that um, you have to accept maybe that uh, you're not going to see it again and all that kind of stuff I think a big part of it today you're absolutely right and if you, the average position is very telling because a game that has lots of space and where we play on the counter actually suits Martial down to the ground particularly when you have speedy wingers outside of him because he's actually playing that false nine role and dropping in really deep behind Bruno often and the centre-backs then don't necessarily follow him out the whole way and that allows him to come and pick up that ball and kind of turn on it and have a wee bit more space and body them like he was and just look so much better then you see the kind of him using his, his, his strength really well but keeping these really silky touches and not letting the ball roll away from him when the centre-backs do follow him really far into um, our own half sometimes he's then able to sort of roll them and turn them with unexpected brilliant feet and that works extremely well and it did today. Like he also won the penalty, obviously, which is 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 not an insignificant thing. And um, he did miss some two guilt days chances for me: the header and then the one from like six yards out. And um, both, I think, he should do much better with. But generally speaking, as as a performance, I thought it was excellent. I do think all those things just go away when you're playing two banks of four or you're playing a team that is not giving you that space and whose centre-backs are happy just to kind of stand on top of your game or any kind of defensive player is able to stand on top of you and you're pushed further up the pitch, which means when he's dropping in, he's then dropping in and picking it up, but there's no space behind him to move into and there's no runs coming from behind him and it all gets very pedestrian. That's where Martial really, really struggles and we've never really found a way to either get him over that or create chances for him in that kind of game and that's why I think in large parts all the games he's played have been those types of games where he's looked awful I think when he has a lot of space and when we can get him the ball in these kind of dangerous attacking transitional um, phases and he's able to drop into that false nine position without a centre-back really contesting him in the way that a centre-back will if he's playing against Sheffield United and he's just camped out on the 18-yard line yeah of course he's going to look good because he's a brilliant footballer when he wants to be 
it's just always with Martial involving him in the ways that he wants to be involved because he's not going to be a player who goes and does it a different way or does it his you know through hard work or does it through being clever or something like that. It's always he's, he's very much a purist when it comes to like that kind of thing. Um, so in that sense, I regretfully think he'll kind of regress again if we don't change the way we play and he doesn't change the way he plays when we face teams that deny space. I think you'll just see kind of the same thing you've seen for most of the year, unfortunately. But as I said previously, he was excellent today. And if he takes that confidence in, you know, it might change things. And some of the dribbles and finishes that haven't been falling for him at all all season might just start to drop. And, you know, particularly for strikers, a few goals and a bit of confidence can be completely, you know, life-changing in terms of performances. So that's the hope because, you know, the front four is looking pretty thin. So we need him now, you know, to to do something this season that he hasn't he hasn't done so far. Yeah, and he has really been, for me, the biggest disappointment of the season. I mean, I had such high hopes for him this year after a good year last season. Uh, you know, I even had a bet with somebody about how many goals he was going to score this year, and I'll definitely be paying out on that because <laughs> he's nowhere near it's it. lucky you cashed uh, out after 30 minutes for three extra pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least I can cover that bet, as I said. Like, you know, Martial has really been the big disappointment of the year for me. I thought that last season was his kind of transition into forward, and this was the season where he was going to come and say, yeah, I am that number nine. Yeah. And that he was easily going to get to 20 goals, maybe 30 goals. But yeah, even if he gets to 10, we're going to be happy. Um, but yeah, look, if he can play like that, whether he scores or not, he's doing good work for the team and is making the difference. So yeah, fair enough. Let's hope we see more of that. But yeah, I think I kind of agree with you there. It is different uh, when we're playing these other teams. And I think, uh, I don't know who it was. I think it might have been the West Brom game a couple of weeks ago where, you know, now because there's no crowd, we hear so much more of what managers and players are saying to each other. Mm. And there was Ole was absolutely screaming at him saying, move, move, you know, you need to move more. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big problem there often. So I, th- I do think sometimes there's unfair criticism of him and it's some more about his kind of body language and style that people call him a lazy player, which sometimes I think is not right. But yeah, there is times where you want to see a bit more movement. And it's what we said that when Cavani comes in, you see that more like number nine movement that we don't always see from a Martial. Uh, but, you know, the big problem now, Cavani is starting to become a bit of an injury issue. We've just not seen enough of him in general. Again, now he's out now. We don't know how long for, and that's kind of been a very stop-start season for him, which is why, even though he's not on for, Martial keeps getting chance after chance to turn it around. And yeah, look, if he can do, let's see where we go from there. I did want to talk a bit more about what this result means in the more grand scheme of things, because after the last game, I know that you guys were very, very disappointed and negative, which is normal, because you'd recorded after that awful nil-nil performance against Palace. But yeah, Colm, you were saying, look, I'm now worried that by the end of this month, we might be out of the top four. Uh, so obviously this result is massive in that because Leicester had won, had gone back above us. And, you know, Chelsea are looking on decent form. Everton have got a game in hand, have been in pretty good form. The one great thing is Liverpool keep being absolutely useless. So yeah, that's the <laughs> one brilliant thing that we can keep holding on to. I think, what was it? Six home losses in a row, like first time in their history and not even a goal to show any of them. And in fact, the last game before that, that they didn't win was a nil-nil with us that at yeah. the time we were pretty happy with and now you look back and say well, well everyone else has beaten yeah. them uh, you know terrible we didn't point. really do well enough we should have beat them that day as well there's two massive chances was Pogba and Bruno both had huge yeah awesome oh, it was massive chances yeah look that's it like I say that's the last time they didn't lose at home uh, but yeah we're going to talk now obviously we've got AC Milan coming up on Thursday and then after that is West Ham who are also just in and around that kind of top four race amazingly um, I, yeah and I 
do, I, I do understand the worry because this month, we said it on the podcast before, was going to be absolutely vital. And it looked like Palace was the easy game that we had this month and we only managed to get nil-nil. But that's the typical kind of United style that we draw that and then win the City game. We're now going to be going to uh, the two AC Milan games with West Ham in the middle. And I mean, the, uh, the problem now is, look, we're 11 points behind City still. So you can't really talk about being in the champions challenge. And, uh, you know, that is the big disappointment for me because I've said all season that I wanted to focus on the league. I was actually pretty ready to throw away the Europa League. For me, it's something that's just going to actually constantly cause us trouble with our league form. But since now we're not going to win the league, that becomes more important. You know, I wanted to stay in with City. And I think if we'd played weak teams in these cups, we might have gone out, but I think we'd be a lot closer to City. Um, but now we're not. So, yeah, he has to go for these cups. Um, I mean, and then the question basically is, is what is going to be now an acceptable season? Uh, you know, what is your expectation, Com? Like I said, the last one you said, look, I'm worried about going out of top four. It's still a worry. It's, you know, we're not clear yeah. of anybody. It's all no. still bunched up. But, yeah, the question to you is like what do you think will be an acceptable season now well i think it's tough because it's where you view it from you know if you had asked me four or five weeks ago i would have said we should be comfortably finishing second like any kind of slip down from you know it should be us and city a little bit of a gap and then everyone else and with our recent form that's just slipped away now we might we might turn that around and re-establish that and um, but i really thought from the position we were in that anything other than a very convincing second place would be a little bit of a red flag um, and I agree with you now that the, the league does look a bit chucked in you know you kind of look to those cups and particularly Europa I think the draw against AC Milan has kind of revived my interest in that competition because it feels like a big draw it feels like two big games and um, even though Milan aren't you know you know it's not AC Milan of old shall we say it's not Manchester United of old either really but um, it does feel like a bigger um, a bigger tie and that kind of revives my interest I think we should be looking to do very well in Europa and hopefully um you know stick in with the other ones but it's tough i just i just i don't want to see us embroiled in a top four battle that would be a huge red flag for me you know and uh, the, re- the reason obviously why i said that at the end of the last pod was that if we hadn't have won today you know leicester remain above us chelsea if they win would have only been a point behind us everton could have gone above us if they win both games and west ham could have gone level with it you know so like and we we play west ham and then i think leicester next in the league so this is a like march is a defining month i think for for this season because i think if we do well against west ham and do well against leicester those are essentially six pointers and that would for me probably cement us you know barring a disaster in the last sort of the eight leicester games. game is actually a cup game at the end oh is of that the cup one and then yeah. we played them again near the end of the season yeah gotcha. and then um, we've actually got in the league after that it's going to be brighton and then spurs uh so yeah that's our run we've got ac so- milan twice with West Ham in the middle, then it's Leicester in the cup, and then, yeah, Brighton and Spurs in the league. Um, but, yeah, the month of March is the crazy one, like I said. Those two Milan games. And I, I still have an issue with this Europa League. Look, I would love to win it. It's great. But we're still going to have another seven games to go if we want to win this. You have it's just too long, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the problem. This travel, that Thursday-Sunday schedule. We're Thursday, Sunday now for the rest of March, I think. That's just it. Yeah, no. we, yeah. Are. we are. The biggest problem is with the Europa League, right? When you qualify either out of the group of the Europa League stage in the first half of the season, or you come out of the Champions League and drop down into the Europa League, there's a last 32. So you play a last 32, then a last 16. before, And, and you can even tell, because of the way they have to format it, because of how many teams 
the last 16 of the Champions League go through. It, it's just bizarre to me. It really is that there's that many teams, so they constantly have to rush, play two legs of the last 32, one after the other. You get one a one-week break, and then immediately it's another two European games. It's far too many. And while that might be more acceptable in a normal season, I cannot understand why they have insisted that it's two legs. I know I get yeah, the money involved and everything like that, but purely from a player welfare point of view, the fact that there is a pandemic still, there's massive issues with travel. We've seen Arsenal and uh, Benfica, when they played their two games, neither were in their home country. They had to go and play the game in Greece. Surely these knockout stages, even to the quarterfinals, make them one-legged. Just make them one-legged and just say, right, one leg, done. You move on, you get a two-week break, and then... I would have much preferred that. Yeah, I think we've all said that already. It's what it should have been, but it's not, and it's all about TV It's also hilarious to still have a home-and-away goal when there's some teams playing two-away fixtures, literally two-away fixtures, and still being subject to home-and-away goals. AC Milan have only gone through the last round on-away goals against uh, Red Star Belgrade. Um, They're actually in decent form-ish in the league. They're second to Inter Milan at the moment. Um, Their form, like I say, it's been patchy, but they are second in the league at the moment. Zlatan is going to be injured, which is kind of a shame in a way. It would have been nice just to see him, whatever. But at the same time, it's not like he's getting any welcome home from the fans at Old Trafford or anything because there's not going to be anybody there. I'm a bit Uh, gutted about it, to be honest. I have to say I did love Zlatan, so I'm a bit... Yeah, not, you were looking forward yeah, to seeing it. Obviously, yeah, there's, it's totally different. There's no fans in the stadium and all that, but I was looking forward to possibly just seeing the chance of us playing against Zlatan, so I was a bit disappointed by that. I'm, I, honestly, I'm not. I think the man is an absolute balloon, and he only serves as... Okay, he's still performing at a high level. Don't get me wrong, he's a brilliant footballer, but he's a spectacle. Like It would just be all about Zlatan. It would be Zlatan returning to United. He'd probably score a last-minute winner or something, a bicycle kick or something, and then do some daft celebration and look like he's, you know sipping the Kool-Aid of his own. It is actually go, quite amazing you know? that he's still going. It's still, it's amazing that he's still going because, yeah. you know, when he left us, went out to the MLS, then you kind of thought, yeah, that's it. Maybe he'll play in America. I don't know if he wants to go play in China, who knows, but didn't really expect him to come back and like really play week in, week out. And like, I just think, I mean, Diego, Diego Dallo just scored an absolute peach um, today. And that, Lukaku, Zlatan, Sanchez, Darmian. It just it just exposes to me again that Seri Ashley Young that Syria is just in a dire dire situation at the moment. You know, with with the quality of its league. Now those are big words before we have to play Milan twice here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I won't regret that. But come on, like it's just that's desperate. None of these players. Yeah, I would. You know. I, I expect us to actually win both legs. I know they're doing well in the league and what have you, but I, I expect us to win both legs. My only concern, and it kind of comes back to the next question now, in terms of what the expectations are, my expectations four or five weeks ago with everyone fit were pretty high. But now it's very difficult for me to say because, you know, is, I take it Rashford's waiting to the end of the year to get the surgery. I mean, yeah. he now has this, look what looked like a little ankle issue there from today. Um, you know, Cavani can't stay fit. Van der Beek's out. We don't know when he's coming back. Pogba, we don't know when he's coming back. It looks like we just have Maddich, Fred, McTominay, and that's it. And yeah, even Mata, you know, somebody who yeah. might have come in. Mata, we can't see him. You know, De Gea is off swan around Spain, much to Nick's um, ire. And, you know, you're looking at an event now that has Ahmad and uh, Shortieri on it, which, you know, to me, particularly in a derby today, like, it, it's mad how quickly we've gone from deep squad to bare bones. And I just think, unfortunately, that might have a bigger impact on the end of our season and we'll then regret drop points when we had all our good players, you know. Um, 
but you can't really hold you know that's something we just have to deal with but it's not really you know that that tempers my expectations a little bit because i think we might run into a bit of a sticky patch with the the number of games and the number of injuries well that is my big worry and it's been my worry for a couple of months now it's why you know i always put out on twitter like what was going to be my lineup and every time we have a cup match i'm like rotating five or six players and every time ole puts out a very strong team even when we're four nil up against bloody real sociedad literally every single time that happens as well you said us ah but this time this time he's gonna rotate no he is literally (laughs) it's been two and a half years now and he never he never does that day when it was four nil up but real said this day surely there is Reserves are playing, if they, and then yeah, you realise. Bruno plays ninety that minutes. Day, yeah. yeah, but he brings Rashford on at half time. It's just it's and, insane, absolutely insane. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Juan Bissaka played that day, but yeah, look, and but yeah, I, as I say, for me, it's absolutely linked to why we've then thrown away points in the league that there's players who and you look at. I saw it the other day. It's the table of the most minutes played in the Premier League this season. Five of the top six players are Manchester United players. It's like Rashford, uh, Maguire, Bruno, Rashford, Maguire, Bruno. I think yeah, one second. I think maybe Lindelof. I think was the fifth one even. And there's somebody from Leicester maybe who is like the only other player in there. And you know that for me has been the biggest problem and it's my biggest criticism of Ole. You know, I've always been very supportive of him, big fan. Even when we weren't doing well, I was still saying he needs to be given a chance. But that is where I do have an issue. I think he's not using the squad enough. I think he plays players into the ground and he'd done it last year but we kind of said look we didn't have much of a squad he didn't have that many choices because if he was resting players it meant Andreas Pereira was playing or a woefully out of form Jesse Lingard was playing and you were like well look he hasn't you know what can he do he has to play these players whereas this season like you know the likes of Van der Beek Tuan Zebi Williams uh, even Mata could have played much more minutes to give other players rests and yeah as I see now if I'm sure if we put out our best team against AC Milan we can beat them but I think we'll end up maybe regretting it then on the weekend like you know we'll play West Ham who've had a whole week off after that Mm. and the same we'll go and play Leicester in the cup who won't have played midweek and each time we'll be playing teams who are going to be fresh whereas we're going to be going flying out to Milan one time and have a game in the middle and yeah you can't just expect to roll on every time when other teams are having that freshness break and yeah there has to be rotation there has to be more like changes in there Um, but yeah I, I, like I said, this month, I don't see where they can be if we want to progress in these Cups. And because now we have pretty much let the league go, even with today's win, um, those Cups do become more important. Um, you know, I would say that if we finish second, I would still say it's a decent season. Uh, you know, it is progress to me because we haven't finished top four twice in a row since Alex Ferguson retired, which is absolutely mental for a club like Manchester United. But those are the facts. We haven't actually had two top four finishes in a row for seven years now. So even doing that is already progress. But like, it's not something you're going to get excited about finishing second, especially if you're finishing second by like more than 10 points. And you're five points better off than last year. It does seem slightly glacial given the, you know, squad that we have and the funds that are available and all that kind of stuff. But I agree it is progress. Whether it's rampant enough, uh, I'm not sure. But um, that's, that's my thing with Ole. I don't think he'll ever, I don't think you'll end up ever net negative. Do you know what I mean? I don't think, I think there'll always be a positive there. It's whether that positive year on year will ever be enough, you know, to, to kind of get us the big things, you know. Yeah, and of course, if it's second and you win a cup, is then it's That's a good, good season. season. I mean, even if season. you come third, yeah. if you come third, I mean, to be honest, after that, if you're ten points behind City, if you come third or fourth and win a cup, then that's to be honest, probably I would take fourth and a cup over second and no cup. 
I would agree. I would have taken, I would put second and being close to City ahead of it. If we yeah, would have finished maybe, the season within, yeah, within like you know, five six points, points yeah. or yeah, yeah, something like that, then I would say, listen, I would put that ahead of winning actually one of those cups. And some people would argue with that and say, no, look, second place, you're still a loser. Yeah, why would you? You'd rather win a cup. So like, I've had these kind of discussions. No, I agree. It was just the way you said it. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of understand like the rationale as well. And yeah, it's right at the end of the day. But just because we've not had any consistency in the league, for me this year, that was the most important. And that was the Being other reason actually why. actually in a title race in the last weeks of the season is a good thing. You know, it's it has much more worth than an FA Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, that, I, and I agree with that. Whereas, you know, I know other people wouldn't. If we're going to be targeting a trophy, I would rather win the FA Cup. And I wonder what you guys would pick. Would you rather win the Europa League? Oh, I'd rather win the Europa. I'd rather win the Europa. Don't really care about I'd the FA Cup. I'd rather win the Europa, but there's only exactly, three games yeah. for us to win the FA Cup. We have to go through seven matches to win the Europa League. What plus yeah. travel, plus a Thursday schedule, which is why I was ready to sacrifice the Europa League last time round. However, you, you would anticipate you're going to play better teams in the FA Cup than you're going to probably have to play in Europa. Well, well, but we have drawn AC Milan and, you know, even Real Sociedad, they're pretty good. We could have played, you know, much weaker teams. But, yeah, it's the way the draws have gone. But I'm saying we're not City, so we're obviously going to get, you know, City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way Ole's luck goes every time we get literally (laughs) like... It is is like that, because I remember looking at the Europa League draw and, uh, you know, last round, Real Sociedad were pretty much the most difficult team we could have got because it was seeded. So, you know, on the other side of the draw, they were the most difficult team. And this time as well, I think it was like basically Ajax or AC Milan were the most difficult options we could have got. And we got AC Milan. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I, and we said it in the last couple of pods as well. It does give you that feeling of Champions League. It is a kind of big name. You know, both teams were kind of fallen giants in a way, but we're both second in the league at the moment. And uh, it does remind you, in fact, last time we played AC Milan was back in 2010 Champions League. Uh, we actually won both legs, 4-0 and I think 3-2. in the We only really scored about three headers over the two legs. Two of them were brilliant headers as well in, in uh, the San Siro. Yeah. I hope we go through just so we can draw Rangers in the next round. <laughs> Congratulations, Rangers. Yeah, it's mad up here. There's fireworks and everything going off at the moment. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was good to have that confirmed today. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're still running. In the, who are Rangers playing in the Europa? Uh, Sparta Prague. I think the away leg might be difficult, but they are playing well. So that'll be interesting uh, to go alongside our game on Thursday. Um, but I don't know. I, I would rather win the FA Cup purely because it is less games. But... I was excited by purely seeing the draw against AC Milan because it is that more of a Champions League feel. Yeah, okay, both teams haven't been great at all over the last however many years, but it's still a fairly decent draw to get in terms of big names. Makes it a bit more yeah. appealing. The only thing I find with the FA Cup is, you know, if you beat City in the final, then yeah, I'd want to win the FA Cup. That's a big. You know, that's a big thing. That's really yeah. good. Or if it's Chelsea or Liverpool or so, I don't even know who's left in the FA Cup, but it, it can be the opposite of that as well. Do you know what I mean? You can be like spanking Wigan 5-0, do you know what I mean? Or something, you know? So it's just, it kind of depends what it is. You or know? beating Crystal Palace with 10 men. <laughs> yeah. 
let's see how we come out this month uh, you know if we can come out in both those competitions and still in second place then yeah it's been a great run through but you know my worry is can we fight on three fronts I still don't actually think that our squad is strong and deep and experienced enough to be fighting on three fronts um, and if you you know if you play a weaker team and they go through great but at least it gives them the kind of freshness whereas I do also understand it from Ole's perspective and we've had it every time as well every time we get a new manager Van Hal Mourinho they tend to put a lot of importance in the cups because obviously they want to win something uh, you know they want something to go by their name in the Manchester United history books and all of them have done but it's normally been at the expense of our league form when Van Hal won the FA Cup we didn't get top four. We ended up fifth that season. When Mourinho won the Europa League, we again, he sacrificed the league that year. We ended up like sixth or something, but he got in the Champions League in the back door. But, you know, each time it's that we, we can't get both. And uh, my worry is that Ole is trying to go for everything. And we've already seen how our league form has dropped off because he's been going for those cups. Can, whether he can navigate us through both cup competitions and still maintain that league is going to be the absolute vital like question now. Uh, and as I say, you know, two two weeks uh, this month, three weeks with a lot of heavy games coming. Let's see where we rest at the end of this month. But come last last pod, you said you thought we might fall out by the end of the month. How are you feeling now? We're we still going to be in the top four by the end of this month. Maybe just by the end of this month, although I make no promises for April. Uh, we, we're going to be top four. Anyway. <laughs> That's for sure. You know what? We should, we should be second. We should be second from here on. I, I, I didn't enjoy Leicester briefly taking us down to third. It made me very uncomfortable, I have to say. So um, that, that is my hope that we just, we're just second now. Leicester just start dropping points. I just hope today is just a massive confidence boost because when we recorded last week, Nick, I was a bit uncomfortable just looking at the games thinking even if we beat like we didn't win against Palace, but even if we beat Palace, there was a chance other teams were going to really catch us up. If we didn't have the good result today in the barrel of teams catching right up either level on points or a point behind. So I just think winning that today with a really good performance, getting back into second, putting that bit of space between ourselves and Chelsea play Everton tomorrow as well. So you're kind of hoping for a draw there anyway to keep that kind of arm's reach away from those two but I, I just think that could be a really big confidence boost despite the fact we do have injuries and we may be worried about how we're going to be approaching certain games and, and praying that other people don't pick up more injuries over the next six weeks or so because there is a lot of big games I just think it is a big confidence boost today and you're hoping that they just take this form maybe not into the Milan game because we don't know how he's going to line up but certainly against West Ham go into that game with a bit with a bit of confidence and hopefully we we see the team start to try and take the initiative from the start of games more often instead of just giving the other team too much of the initiative and we have to fight really hard to get back into games. Yeah, and look, and Ole's got to use the squad more, even with the injuries we've got, whether it's Tellez, whether it's Ahmad, you know, give them minutes uh, to Anzebi, you know, freshen it up. That's the only way we can possibly get through and still be in all these competitions. I mean, I will say that the, like, the stats and... Um, betting guys and all are on our side. I did post out on Twitter, if anyone wants to go and have a look at it, that the predicted 
league table based on form and everything does put us finishing second. And that was even before today's game. Uh, although at the same time, they're saying that it's a 50% chance of us finishing second. So it's the most likely scenario, but by no means nailed on. Uh, so yeah, it does show that that's where the kind of feeling and um, just out of interest that the prediction was saying Chelsea would come third and that it would be literally like a coin toss between Liverpool and Leicester for fourth. But that was before Liverpool have lost again today. Uh, so I don't know. I'll have to go and have a look at that prediction league table again and see what they're saying there but yeah look there is going to be a fight and all the way for the rest of this season like I say Jamie hopefully this result gives us that impetus to get back on it because we have had a real lull since going top of the league kind of mid-jan you know the form has not been good at all Um, but yeah at the same time we've progressed in the cups and we're still in second place so yeah we still have it all in our hands but I do always worry that if you start going for everything you end up with nothing but ah it's up to Ole to navigate it through now. Uh, we will try and come back after AC Milan, but definitely we will be recording again after West Ham. Uh, do want to give a shout out to our current sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, as soon as this pod finishes, head over to manscaped.com. Have a look at their products. They've got the lawn mower, which is all about shaving your pubes. They've got the weed whacker for your nose. I think people know what the products are for, Nick. (laughs) Well, I'm saying, yeah, I'm sure everybody who listens to us knows what all these things are now. But uh, yeah, I'm congratulately obliged to talk about this for 30 seconds. So uh, what else have they got, Jamie? Some kind of lotions and potions. I remember you saying they were pretty good. Oh, yeah, all sorts of moisturizers, fragrances. Um, I always forget what they're called because they do come up with pretty good names for these things. Crop Preserver or something like yeah, that. Yeah, one's a, one's a crop preserver, yeah, and I do highly recommend that one myself. Anyway, like I say, head out, manscaped.com, code UnitedHour, 20% off. Check it out. And, yeah, as usual, hit us up, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Dave in Canada still doing a good job on growing the Instagram. Or, yeah, the discussion over on Red Cafe. Uh, I think, yeah, that's all for this week. And, yeah, we'll see you back maybe after Milan, but definitely after West Ham. Good night from me. Cheerio. Good night, troops. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.